This is the Kathak podcast Kathak ka chakkar This place is designed to be a central platform for Kathak practitioners artists administrators and anyone associated with this beautiful art form My name is Pramit. I myself am a student of Kathak and that's what inspired me to start this podcast. You can find full episodes on all podcasting platforms and I also share clips from the episodes on my Instagram Kathak Kachakkar. The song you're listening to is called Kanya by Neeraj Chag from his album The Kathak EP. A big thanks to him for allowing me use of it in my intro. The following is a conversation with Neeraj Chag. Neeraj is a musical visionary whose work has the power to touch the very core of our being. with his innovative use of both eastern and western music traditions neeraj's work links past and present and crosses cultural boundaries in ways that provide food for the soul and mind he has also composed a lot of music for kathak specifically and in this episode we delve into some of the specific songs he's done for example kanya the kathak ep and kathak subsonic So yeah Neeraj uh, thank first of all thanks for coming on and doing this conversation uh, before we get started I wanted to thank my first kathak teacher Dr Anandita Sen called Anandita Di and for introducing me to you and and as a coincidence my current teacher or her name is also Anandita and she was very excited when I told her I'm speaking to you so you know and uh, yeah and thanks for coming on That's cool. So both both your Kathak teachers are, are, have uh, come across my work. Yes, and they're both Bengali and I'm Bengali, so we are from the same part of India, so to speak. Oh, amazing! Yeah, some context for our listeners. So the the way we are kind of organizing this conversation is we're going to go through three of Neeraj's songs and kind of have conversations around the songs, and see how he you know makes music for Kathak practitioners and his larger practice, so to speak. And so Neeraj, uh, to start off, you know, as I was researching your work, I think the prevailing sentiment has been, you know, some especially from Kathak practitioners is like, oh, I, you know, when they find it, they're amazed and they're like, I wish I'd found it earlier. There's so many comments on YouTube regarding the same as well. So, and to start off with your Kathak journey, you know, you mentioned that you it started off with Kanya. So, can you give us some context about how that started? The so Kanya um, was, yeah, it was really my first. introduction to kathak uh so i met uh gauri sharma tripathi um on a show that i did called bejabara it was like a stage musical of a, an old bollywood film and i'd always wanted to kind of in the back of my brain i had this idea of turning it into a musical and uh theatre royal stratford east in london uh they commissioned it so they they basically um greenlit it um so uh and as part of that uh they bought uh Gauri Sharma Tripathi on board and that's where I first met her and that was like the starting point in terms of um my kathak journey because she she was uh, the choreographer on the on the show and um yeah and then we kind of kept in touch and we 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 became you know good friends and we kind of Yeah, you know, just collaborated and worked on ideas, and from that, uh, Ganya came about. Um, and yeah, that that's that was kind of the, the the story of the piece, really, and my introduction to to Kathak. Before then, I I I really didn't know anything about Kathak. Um, you know, I mean, to be honest, I still don't know much about <laughs> yeah Kathak. It's such a such a a vast uh, art form. It's mm. like. I I probably only scratched the surface of 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 it really. 
And on that note comes my next question, uh, Neeraj. Does uh, the chicken and the egg problem? Does the music come first, or the choreography, or it's a little bit of both? And wanted to understand from you. So, see when you were working with Gauri, or you when you kind of make music, uh, especially yeah. like just in the concept on uh, context of Kanya. It looks like you saw a performance, and then you know the song might have come later. But how did that collaboration happen? If you can take us behind the scenes of what comes first or how it comes together so kanya actually came about because of a of a the, the music was uh, originally created for that show um and you know she said this could this could work for a, for a, like a gothic piece and we tried it and it was like you know wow this this actually marries in in you know it, unbelievably well you know it was a, a revelation to me and um that was really how that came about so so uh, yeah the music came first as a piece of music and it wasn't it wasn't the structure at all in one sense the structure was just you know following uh, it was just a song structure really at the time but then we recorded the the balls and then i restructured the piece to follow to follow what the kind of the vocals were doing uh and that that kind of that's how how ganya came about hmm yeah understood so it's like said so the music first and then you the bowls come on top of it and then you have to go back and yeah be structured for the bowls interesting yeah so so it, it kind of i think to make it seamless you kind of have to start somewhere you bring in the 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 element that's you know like in this case it was gothic uh and then streamline the original piece to work with what what's been recorded so if it, it just makes it a lot more seamless understood and does your what you the way you restructure and layer your music does that change based on who you see perform or like how many performances you see is there how does that work in terms of like you absorbing kathak and making music for it um I mean I what I like about working um with Gothic and dance generally because I I you know, I've done uh, Bharatanatyam I've done you know kind of a, 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 a real variety of um kind of dance and movement based music is what what's always interesting to me is the aesthetic that choreographer brings um and that's that's fascinating to me because the the choreo the, the choreographic element is one thing but you know there's a, there's a whole the way the way people move the way they the envisage the symmetry of the movement um the fluidity of the movement and you know even the costumes the how they see the lighting um th- there's a there's a kind of holistic uh aesthetic that every choreographer has and i find it really interesting and i i gain a lot in terms of my own practice from seeing how different choreographers operate i see i see okay so but can uh, i need some clarification on this i'm trying to wrap my head around this the visual part of it the costume and light uh, do mm-hmm. you have an example of how that informs music um yeah i mean if the yeah you know, i think that colors and you know contrast and you know light and shade have a direct influence on 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 the sound um you know sometimes in a linear way where you know if you want to uh you know if 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 a moment is dark visually or emotively you know you want to go um musically or sound wise quite dark um and sometimes what what works even more you know is even more powerful is when you subvert that and go musically in a different direction um you know uh, i was just actually funnily enough doing a workshop uh for for young people as part of the the, the bfi british uh, film institute and i was doing like some scoring work for film teaching them about scoring for film and you know i was trying to explain the idea of subversion to you know these kind of 16 to 20 year old young people and you know i was like why you know why do they use nursery rhymes in horror films 
the most, you know, nursery rhymes are the most innocuous kind of, uh, you know, pure thing. But you put it in a horror context, suddenly it be it becomes even more powerful, more salient. You know, it's like, so subversion is something that I think also with dance, it, it works in an interesting way. So it can, you know, so lighting, costumes, everything plays into that because are you, you know, if you're being linear or if you're being, you know, um, if you're going against what's there, um, you know, it, it's, it, I think uh, all of these factors play into it and the narrative, what, what the, what the story is of, of uh, you know, cause everything is ultimately a story, whether, whether you're working on TV, film, dance, everything is narrative based. Yes, everything is narrative based, and that makes sense. When I asked you the question, my head was a little spinning because I thought you were say, say playing the color red or orange. But now I understand it's not necessarily the color per se; it's the color and the emotion it drives through the audience, and then you can choose to play with it or subvert that expectation. But I think colors. I think colors do play into it actually, because you know, even even like it's the same with film, or you're doing a a, a, a TV program. Or whatever if you're scoring a you know a dance piece if if the, you know in a film for example if the grade is very blue um you know blue is kind of it, you it, it invokes a kind of coldness mm. it is a clinical quality to, to a blue um grade or on on the on a picture or, or a blue you know a particular kind of blue lighting right that, yeah, you know, or, or you know, like a uh, kind of orangey red is warmth. You mm. know, sun. You know, it's um, winters are blue, summers are uh, orangey red. You know, it's like I think uh, these colors do play into it, um, mm. and that again is that you know, it's it's all part and parcel of aesthetic. Right. I think it I finally makes sense. Like what the term "why you're feeling so blue" exists now that you put that in context, Neeraj. And uh, I guess on that note, Neeraj, uh, I wanted to understand from a dance, like if you're working with the dancer, what kind of inputs would you need to make a song for them? Like I assume the worst feedback would be like, hey, just make a Kathak song for me. And that's that you can't really work with that, right? To, yeah. to generate too broad. So what kind of inputs do you need to start working on something at, at a minimum? I'm so very curious about that. Um, I mean, for me, Hmm. The, the core thing I look at is emotion. Mm -hmm. Like, um, I mean, I think music is the most direct and quickest way to make somebody feel something. That's kind of my my take on it. Um, you know, when you're when you're making music for whatever, you 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 kind of have to know fundamentally what do you want the person you're that's watching to feel you know in in the most succinct way possible because what, what what i'm trying to do is get to that emotion get to what you want you know do you want somebody to feel uncomfortable do you want them to feel you know elation joy sadness what what is it what's the what are the adjectives that um you know succinctly describe what um, the audience should be feeling. Um, that's the first thing I need to know. And the second thing I need to know is what is a narrative? Mm -hmm. um, and the narrative tells me what the structure of the piece is. And then probably things that are useful uh, are this kind of, you know, like what is the kind of movement? You know, is it fluid movement? Is it staccato movement? Is it, you know, choppy? Is it kind of um, wavy? Is it, you know, what, what's the kind of, how would you describe the movement of the choreography if it hasn't been choreo choreographed yet? And if it has, then show me what kind of movement is, mm. you know, is being envisaged. Understood. Um, okay. Probably in that order as well. Those are the, uh, that be in that order. Right. Emotion, narrative, and like just... And if they can't really say it per se, you want you like them to show it to you. That mm. makes sense. And if you could take us back behind the scenes on like music composition 
per se. Um, I'm very curious for how when you do it. So there's since there's so many instruments and so many things to take care of. Do you like play everything yourself? Are you arranging everything? How or and how does that whole thing work? Or are there certain artists you kind of lean on to make your music as well? Um, can you take us behind the scenes on some of that? Uh, yeah. I mean, most of it is kind of I I, I produce, I compose, I produce, I mix, I master, I, I kind of do the whole. The whole thing, but I have session musicians or people who are you know, musicians who I I I like their playing style. You know, it could be you know violin, bansuri, or you know vocals or whatever it is. Um, you know, if if I'm looking for something particular, I'll get a session musician in. Um, but you know, if if I'm looking at just a flavor of something, I sometimes just you know I might just chop up samples. Um, what I find is when you when you use samples you can do things that you could never do um with a live player funnily enough and vice versa with a live player you'll do things that you can never do with samples but what samples allow you to do is um deconstruct melodies and loops and ideas so that um you know, you're 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 kind of rearranging them chopping them and putting it, them in a different order and you would never ever think about that order if you were playing that instrument right okay and uh just curious about this when it comes to samples do you have like your own library of samples like for example for me you know if i'm releasing a podcast and things and like my intro music is literally royalty free music right because i'm just doing this on the side kind of thing but for you do you tap into like an online digital library or have you been curating your own collection of samples to use over the years it's a mix of both it's a mix of both so i have i've bought loads of sample libraries and i have my own recordings of of things that i've done in the past as well um but but yeah it, it, i always find it interesting what what you can do um by just rearranging a melody mm-hmm. which um by just chopping up the samples and putting it in a different order right um, and sometimes yeah you can do that and i've done this in the past where i i I rearrange the melody using samples mm-hmm. and then I get a live player to say, all right, play this. And it totally changes the, the the whole thing because nobody would ever have thought of that melody because you could only really create it using technology and, you know, kind of deconstructing a, 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 a melody or, or an idea. Mm-hmm. And then, then they, then they learn to play that and play it. Okay. Understood. That helps kind of formulate that picture and mm. kind of going to your next kind of song which i wanted to focus on is nritya from your kathak ep i know i mean when i was listening to it i think that's the first one i recognized listening because it has a very catchy tune and you once you hear it you're not going to forget that first intro mm. and i think the first thing there i wanted to ask is because with the kathak ep there's so, the songs that are you know like artists can pick up and dance to and i assume there are artists that who've, who've come to you and talked about the songs like hey can i perform to this and some of them who don't and you mm. might one day see a video of you your song being used somewhere uh, but generally speaking i want to know how do you uh, how do you feel about that and how do you want artists to approach you if they want to use your songs um i mean it's always nice when people approach me um because just cuz i i find it really interesting what people are doing you know i i create the stuff um you know with with my collaborators and you know with with people i work with and you know you you put it out in the world and um it's like you just don't know where it's going to go you know, and you know some of these pieces i see choreography from mexico to japan to russia you know people are, are choreographing to things all over the world so for me it's the ultimate compliment you know like it's like i i love to see how people have interpreted this music um but if they don't then they don't you know i i like as long as they're using it and they're inspired by it and it's creating you know it's it's kind of fueling their creativity what you know what else can i ask for it's like you know if they, if they if i'm i'd like them to tell me only because i'm curious to see what they've created and 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 what what what's what's um you know where it's gone 
what, what sparks has it has it lit in their brain um but if they don't i you know i don't mind uh but i just feel i feel diminished by not being able to see their work you know it's like i would love to for them to share it with me yeah okay i understood that context so uh, so neeraj curious like uh, the way you if, if if you haven't been informed do you usually like search your songs every now and then to see if something's come up or some uh, someone you know usually sends you a clip saying hey check this out someone's used your song this way how do you usually find out i usually people message me um, understood usually I, i mean yeah usually people I, i'm not that uh you know that that active on most social media platforms i'm there but yeah i'm not I'm by no means an an expert on social media so but people message me or they'll email me or whatever and yeah most most of the times I'm I'm fine with it you know it's, it's usually not an issue uh you know and and you know it's for me it's it's just like it's just so fascinating you know like how how you know music can reach places that you never would have thought and inspire creativity in these places where you never would have thought this this would even you know resonate with people um you know i i find that really yeah what well, i mean it's like why why what you know this why i did this why i got into this it's like you know what no nobody gets into arts for 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 the money you know like <laughs> you know th- those are the things so the emails that i get that you know that of the inspiration that it might have fueled in other people or mm. that it's touched people or that it's you know had an effect on them yep that's what it's about for me that's that, that's actually the currency mm-hmm. the feeling is the currency okay that's pretty profound neeraj and coming to nritya or the kathak ev at large i noticed that all along the rasi road was released in 2002 and i think you have a re-release 2006 and the kathak ep is 2019 so like where does the inspiration to make an entire album or like set of songs on kathak come about curious about that is that just a culmin- was that just a culmination of all your work in 2019 or that was just pre- like a fresh project you had also started um so dusty road along the dusty road came out in 2006 mm. um one i think one or two tracks came out earlier on on like separate releases that uh, makes sense now i think the nomad and uh, i can't remember what else might have come out a bit earlier on compilations mm. and a few other kind of uh, other label kind of um releases mm-hmm. but dusty road came out in 2006 and that had ganya on it and um Vani which is on the next album uh The Lost Souls which that came out in 2009 so i just you know i i kind of yeah most of the, these collaborations are with um Gauri Sharma Tripathi and um Tarani Tripathi who's Gauri's uh, daughter yeah and um you know i mean they're both amazing like the you know vocal quality is amazing and i i just get inspired every time uh i work with them uh and you know like we just kept on collaborating and i was like so many people are actually are contacting me do you have other gothic tracks so they haven't come across the the things i put out in separate releases right so i had two or three new tracks and um you know a couple of older tracks so i just thought let me put it together mm. into one one release so it's easy for people to just find um mm-hmm. that that's what the the thinking behind Uh, the katakipi was understood and when it comes to collaborators whether that's you talked about session artists or people you're doing vocals with or your dancers are there certain people you found like in terms of qualities that you see in them like what do you see in your collaborators what kind of people do you like to work with neeraj very curious about that um i like to work with people who they just you know people who challenge me either emotionally or intellectually um you know i think um yeah you know, coming back to the whole aesthetic thing to try and understand an aesthetic when you're making music for a project you know a choreography based project i think that's often the biggest challenge because you kind of trying to get to the kernel of that person that artist you know you're 
the aesthetic is the kernel of their art, really. Um, so, you know, you're trying to understand what is it that makes this person tick? And when you understand what makes that person tick, I think your own practice becomes augmented by that. You know, um, you know so often, you know, I learn, I learn so much more when I'm working on the music for, you know, other people's babies, you know, dance projects, films, theater, TV. Um, I learn so much more from those than I do from composing my own stuff, my own albums. My own albums are, you know, they're just expression. I, I just, I'm just expressing my own, my own uh, life and my own, you know, my own, it's like my own therapy, really. Those albums are my outlet, my therapy. Um, but I'm not learning anything from those albums. I'm, I'm expressing. Uh, whereas when I'm working with different collaborators, I feel like I'm learning so much more about, you know, art, you know, the, the collaborator and, and, you know, myself as well. Okay. Yes, understood. So there's a music you create for your, just for yourself and that's your therapy and there's music you create for your for the artists and kind of focusing on the latter a little bit first, uh, Neeraj, uh, you mentioned yeah, being challenged. I think with challenges, being challenged will come certain points of conflict as well. And I'm very curious about how you resolve them. So I guess the one example that comes to my mind is like, there might, as you're working through the music, there might be certain alterations, say a dancer wants because they want a certain aesthetic and the, and the, there are certain times you might want to stick to what you have, you know, I, I think, and there's a, I assume it's a, it's a bit of a negotiation, bit of a give and take, bit of understanding each other. And, mm. uh, but from what I would understand, there's certain times the dancer would say, okay, Hey, this is how we do it because this is the thing I'm trying to create. And sometimes you might want to say, Hey, Hey, I understand what you're saying, but I'm re- I, I would highly suggest just sticking to something like that. Now I just made up a full hypothetical scenario, but I assume with kind of create being challenged, there'll be certain points of conflict. I'm just curious, how do you manage conflict like that? Or if you have an example to walk us through as well, if that applies. I mean, I'm quite, I'm quite rational with things um if in most instances um if it's if it's their baby if the project is their baby if it's their film if it's their theater show or musical or dance piece or whatever whatever it is then i i will express my opinion um but i'll let them have the last say um and one thing I've realized, funnily enough, is of in the in those instances, the person who gains the most is the person who acquiesces. Because by giving if I in your hypothetical in your hypothetical situation, if I if I disagree with something. Um, and I say, look, I don't think that's the right way to go. And they say, no, this is definitely the right way to go. I don't think they've actually gained anything from that in terms of their own artistic uh, evolution. They've just gone with what they what they know. Whereas I've I've gained something because I, I feel like, you know, it's challenged me. I have to now make this work despite me not necessarily agreeing with the with the final you know think whatever the final uh piece is but i have to make it work in a way that's that's you know satisfies them and and on some level satisfies me so i've been challenged in a way that they haven't and i've gained from that experience as an as a as a creative Mm. that's that is something i've never thought about that you know the whole not even the con the concept is large as to like when you don't when you don't completely get quote unquote your way there is an avenue for growth there because you didn't get your way and you've gotten maybe uh, uh, and you because you've already done it before it says nothing new to learn per se to speak that's really true that's a really profound thought yes well, i would i would say creatively the the yeah the, that's the only way mm. <laughs> you know? 
Mm. Like, um, if if you get what you if if you get what you you know exactly wanted, it's not really grown you. It's not evolved you. Um, you know, that's what I found. Like th- those are the moments that have, you know, challenged me to, to try and figure out what, what is it? What, you know, and why, why am I not agreeing with this? You, know, you, you have to go through a process in yourself that, you know, maybe I'm wrong. You know, maybe I, you have like the people who, who reject the notion, they probably haven't, they, they're probably not going, they're, you know, uh, being myopic in one sense. Right. Um, they're not questioning it, whereas mm. I'm forced to say maybe I'm wrong here. Maybe maybe they're right. You know, maybe I need to look at it in a different way. Yep. Uh, and in that process, I feel like it's you know stretched me. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep. That makes sense. And uh, I had um one thing I wait I had something here. Let me see if I remember that. So. Um, Yes. So one thing uh, on the topic of speaking client per se. So it's uh, it's something I picked up just by watching some videos about freelancers. They And the guy giving advice was saying like, hey, you're speaking freelancer, but you're not speaking client in the sense you're not speaking their language. So on that context, um, I would assume that musicians and dancers don't always speak the same language and for context you know there's a there's a right like for in like like the kathakas a few generations ago they had they were spending all day there and they would get their tabla lessons and music lessons and everything from the same place and it would be like this uh, immersive experience so to speak uh, not all of us have that kind of time or get that and may not have that kind of musical background um and you will, and you probably get artists who have some music background, no music background, and all sorts. So, have you noticed a difference between uh, the language spoken by dancers and musicians, and how have you bridged it over the years in terms of understanding that those differences? Um, I mean, it, it's it's something that applies to all all mediums, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah, whether, whether sometimes it's it, you know I'm talking with a choreographer. And we understand each other, and sometimes we don't. Um, mm-hmm. Same with the director. I've been in that situation where I I don't know, I I might not get the references, or they might not get my references. Um, you know the working method, yeah, the method, the methodology with with developing things is different to what you know I'm used to, or they're not used to how I work. Um, but I always come back to those those three things you know what do you want the audience to feel what's the narrative and what's the you know what's the style in terms of the movement style what what is it that you know um the the kind of movement aesthetic those three things really um inform that When, when i yeah i always try and distill it down to that because once i know that it just informs so much um sometimes what helps is being able to understand the language you know the vernacular of of a of an artist some people use particular words you know um you know they might say i want it to sound sweet or i want it to sound you know pink or i want it to sound you know lush so what does that mean so I, sometimes i i i i'm you know i probe like i say what does lush mean because it's abstract yeah music is abstract in that sense what 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 is you know your description of lush musically would be very different to my description of lush Mm -hmm. so it's kind of getting down to what that means what does it mean um so almost deciphering uh you know that artist's language and vernacular um really helps in terms of short just in terms of short form getting to getting to where you need to get to quicker mm-hmm. understood so part of it is just like the years of experience you have in the field and part of it is kind of making an effort to understand their vernacular as well 
Yeah, it, it it isn't. You know, like it's funny because it, I know, I've got years of experience, but every time I start on something, I feel like I'm yeah. the first thing I've ever done in my life. I come in with all my all my baggage and insecurity, and yeah, you know, I'm like, I, I don't know how I'm going to do this. I, I, I you know, I, I've got no idea. And then you know, you kind of slowly, slowly get into the mm-hmm. into that workflow and just kind of uh, deal with it. Um, yeah, it, it's a it's a funny old um, it's a funny old thing. Mm. Yep. And then coming to the next thing, I want to discuss Kathak Subsonic and have a little bit of a funny story here. So when I was, because I my attention span is kind of short, but so when I first tried, tried to listen to the song, what I did was I kind of started press play and went to the middle, and I started listening to it. And then I then my first instinct was okay, why does it? Like it sounded a little offbeat or off key to me. And then I read the description and I realized it's the same phrase repeated again and again. So I went yeah. right back to the beginning and I realized, okay, this is a song. Like all your other songs, you can kind of go forward and between and you can still get a sense of the song. This one, you really have to start at the beginning to understand the story you're trying to tell through yeah. the song. Uh, I guess that's just my background as, as, as I was listening to this song. It was kind of funny for me as to, I should have just started at the beginning. So... But I wanted to understand from you as well, you know, it's like, like you talk about it in the descriptions, phrase repeated again and again. How did this song come to me? Did you hear the phrase first and lay the song around it? Or how how, how did this song come to be? Um, I recorded it so long ago, actually. I recorded it around, uh, I mean, it must have been 21, 22 years ago, um, the vocals. Um, but it was, for, it was for a very um, kind of, you know quite a classical piece uh, the vocals um and i just always wanted to do something with them and i took it didn't know what but you know i just thought there there was something interesting about what they were doing um and it took me whatever you know 17 18 years to figure that out (laughs) um and what i ended up doing was i wanted to place that phrase in three different musical contexts and go from one, one context to the other quite seamlessly. You know, it's like, here it is here. And, you know, how does it sound different when you, when you, you know, seamlessly dovetail into this bit? And, you know, then again, for the last section, like what, what, how does context change that phrase? Hmm. How does context in that phrase? And on that note, since again, Gauri is the one recording these vocals and these are 20 years old. As you were composing this song, I'm just curious, were there parts of the song that you attempted to go back to Gauri and say, hey, can you re-record this for me? Or did you challenge yourself to use that exact recording from 20 years ago? Curious about I, that. I did want to re-record that vocal. Um, yeah, I mean, that was uh, Gita Shridhar and um, and uh, Gauri on, yep. on vocals, both, both of them. Mm-hmm. And, you know, back to, this is such a long time ago, and I, my, my recording space was an, um, it, it was a big space. It was, it was actually a bigger vocal space than I have now, but mm-hmm. the, it wasn't very well acoustically treated. I didn't have, uh, uh, so it, it bothers me because I can hear the room in the vocals. Um, so I wanted to re-record the, the vocals, but one, to get people in, in the same place. Everybody lives in different countries and you know, it's just, and two, you know, it, the vocal did have a vibe, you know, mm. you, it's like, um, you know, it had this kind of raw vibe to it, which I really liked. And I don't know if I could have captured that again. You know, I didn't want to make it all slick. Yes. Um, and polished. I wanted to keep the the rawness of that original recording. I just, I just, it bugged me that I could hear the room in the recording. Mm-hmm. Understood. Yes, it does. Uh, it does have. A, I agree with you. It does have a totally different vibe to it, and I think it works pretty well. So, I was just curious yeah. about that when I saw the names of the vocalists, and since you're still in touch with them, that was something that would cross through my head. So yeah, and it's something I probably uh, nobody else will hear except me, and, and mm. nobody else will probably be bugged by it. But yeah, you know, I have to live with that forever. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of living with it, Neeraj, uh, I think for for context, I was looking at your stream numbers and stuff for, on what on the Dusty Road album. You know, the uh, the biggest one has like three million streams, and the, in the smallest one has twenty one thousand. So there's a, a variety of gap in terms of which people listen to, and you know, you don't control really which 
might which one might will take or which one you don't are there mm-hmm. certain songs you feel you wish more people would have listened to which ones would those be um i can never predict mm-hmm. you know it's really interesting i would never have predicted um what would you know what would uh take off and what wouldn't and what and it doesn't inform what i do at all really i don't i don't care in that sense um because i you know i don't like the, the my album stuff which is the stuff on you know it's mainly the stuff on um those platforms that is the stuff i make for myself you know i'm not it's my only it's my primary outlet for um my own you know my own expression so if i if i then spend my life chasing you know and this is the world we live in now chasing streams chasing followers chasing likes if i get into that world then i feel like why you know it, it defeats the purpose of why i got into this you know i i, I can't do that i you know i don't I, if i get into that whole world of you know i need to get you know this many more streams or this many more followers or whatever it is if it it becomes about metrics then it, it it's like why you know why why am i doing it cuz then I, it it just loses the purpose for for me it's totally loses the purpose so um i just create what i create and you're right you know like the stuff that sometimes resonates with me more in a given time doesn't get the doesn't get the um the love that i would hope um and some things do um and it's totally out of your hands it's totally right. out of your hands what does and what doesn't mm-hmm. uh, but it, it doesn't inform what i do understood so i had kind of a practical question on that neeraj if you don't mind us answering so say for me like i run my instagram account and i'm not too worried about views and things like that the reason mm. is because my for me engineering pays the bills right so i i do this on the weekends and stuff and even if people zero people were to watch my next episode it wouldn't i'd be kind of sad but it wouldn't affect me or my livelihood per se um say for you like maybe they're not it's not a one to one the number of streams you get to you know making a living but they're sort of linked right in some ways or maybe they're not yeah. but how do you separate that you know the living because for me it's like my engineering doesn't affect my podcasting right so i can just do it because of as a hobby for you music is your living you know art, art, the art form you're pursuing is your living also how do you se- separate the livelihood of it from what you want to do and like keep those separate compartments or if if you do at all um i mean i'm i try to be zen about it um most of the projects that i i i take on mm-hmm. i i take on you know i'm lucky enough to be able to take them on at a choice so i take on things that are interesting to me that that challenge me um you know i say no to a lot more things um than i did when i was younger anyway um so but the way i look at it is you know if if i have to be doing this just just to pay the bills then i'll probably just um do something else like why why am i going to why am i going to uh, turn something i love into something that you know is just going to become something i hate um, you know so if if it if it gets to that i'll i'll you know i'll, I'll get a job I get a proper job. <laughs> you know. Got you. If somebody would employ me, I'd get a proper yes. job. <laughs> Understood. Understood. So you just kind of tap into why you started this or what you're doing in the first place and that kind of helps you think about that also. Yeah, I mean, I I think I take it back to that. Like, yeah. Yeah, you know, I I got to I got to be connected to my to my um you know, why I do it. Hmm. um and i do it because you know like music to me is the most powerful thing in the world yes and um you know what 
if I if I'm just doing it as a as a job to to you know tick a box and pay get get paid and do you know to pay my pay my bills it's mm-hmm. like yeah yep why why do that makes sense I'll do something else and I you know I'll, I'll still make music I'll always make music that's mm-hmm. that's what I always do but right you know um I'll, I'll you know for for money I'll do something else sounds good yeah appreciate you sharing that. and the next thing i want to talk about is technology neeraj and the first thing i think you i i think um, it's been a there's been a lot of talk about ai this year right within with chat gpt coming out to the public and microsoft acquiring it and all that yeah. uh, a lot of it uh, i think for the first time with this ai talk there's been a lot of talk about artists or art being created from ai at least so much in the public so to speak um I guess first of all, since you talked about samples, have you messed around with ChatGPT or any of the AI tools to see if they create songs, or have you messed? Have you tried it? I or have, have you? I have. I have. I know. I know ChatGPT. I've played okay. around with it. Uh, no, not the latest. Um, uh, four. Yeah. So, so three. Yeah. Yeah, three. So I've I've had a little bit of a play. Okay. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think it's brilliant. Okay. Did you like some of the uh, songs that produced, or you see like potential for you to use it in a future project? Um yeah, I think so. Okay. I I do like it. I mean uh it's it, you know it's good if what you put in has some substance. Yes. Yeah. You know, it's what it comes out with the output is 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 as good as whatever the input is. Mm. If you put in rubbish then it you know. Yep. It will kind of um generate rubbish okay. Slightly more polished rubbish. <laughs> slightly more polished rubbish. It's a good way of putting it. And on that note, technology comes my next question. You know, uh, could you talk? Uh, I think one of the things we want to discuss is how da- technology is used or not used in dance versus how it's used in music. So music and dance. Could you talk a little bit about that? Um, I mean, technology is a, a subject that's really close to my heart um, mm. because technology is what's allowed me to. to do music um i i have no formal train training in music um i've learned everything from books so you know music theory i learned from books i i learned piano from you know just practicing scales and playing around just you know be, playing around messing around with it with it with a keyboard um but what technology has allowed me to do is um create orchestras create you know big rhythm sections create you know all sorts of different instruments and orchestrations that um i just wouldn't have been able to do you know i just i didn't when i started out um technology was still in its infancy you know i i got into this i got into sequences and samplers in the in the kind of early 90s and um you know back then the only route was if you studied music that was on you and i i i applied to four music courses that's all i wanted to do i applied to four universities i got four rejections um and you know technology was the, was what saved my life because it was like um you know that was a way i could realize my ideas i could do things i could create things um you know it it was so empowering I mean funnily enough I've lectured it at two or three of the universities that rejected me and you know it was like my op- I I did a my number one um the course I I wanted to get into more than any music course I lectured to the students that were doing that course uh, just four years ago and you know I said my opening line was the greatest thing that ever happened to me was I didn't get into this course because it was you know I didn't get into the course so I yeah you know, I I moved to London and I I all I did was send out demo tapes I knew that it wasn't yeah you know, I think sometimes especially with arts we we where we fall into this false sense of security that if if we're studying it that means that there's going to be a career prospect at the end of it and that's not necessarily true um so it was for, for me that re- those rejections meant that i had to do something so you know i that's when i i doubled down on technology because it was like this is what i've got 
And, you know, within a year of, of moving to London, I had a record deal. So, you know, and if I had gotten into that course, and this is something I see is people think that by doing a course, you know, it, it will, it, it gives them some sort of entitlement to uh, a career. And it's like, actually what you're doing is you're doing four years and then you're starting again. So often, you know, it's so often the case. When you say starting again, you mean like they were starting it for four years and then restarting learning again kind of thing instead of putting that well, time into learning? Well, it's basically, yeah, like you, if you, if you do, a, yeah, if you do a degree in medicine, there's mm. a linear, there's a linear progression. Okay. You, you do your medicine degree, you do it and then you become a junior doctor, then you, right. do the, you become a, a consultant. There's a, yes. there's a path. Yes. But arts doesn't have that. There's no, there's no there's no path at all it's it's totally random in that sense mm. it's like there's it, it's you know you don't know where you're going to end up or how right. you're going to end up there so you by doing a course it mm. doesn't if you do a degree in medicine yes. you're quite likely to become a doctor mm. you do a degree in music you're you're not necessarily going to become a musician yes okay understood understood that clears it up and so on that note, when it comes to, you said you talked about teaching um, and wanted to understand where you are at that stage in terms of like teaching younger artists and stuff. Do you, uh, do you have like active students you kind of work with? Uh, uh, do you have a mentoring relationship with certain students or you kind of stick to just lecture demonstrations and presentations? Where does teaching and kind of educating like the, your, the next generation come to you at this stage of your life? I don't do much of it. Um, mm. I did, uh, you know, I did for a while. Yes. Um, like, you know, I mean, I've, I've never done a huge amount of lecturing, but um, yeah. I do enjoy it. I like, I like doing it um, every once in a while mm -hmm. just because um, it's, it's kind of fun. You know, it's, it's a fun, it's a fun thing for me. Um, but like, it's what you find when you're, when you're, you know, I, I mean, I have, you know, people that I mentor, I have, you know, I've done lectures, I've done, you know, talks. And what a lot of people ask is um, about what things you need to succeed. That, that's the most common thing I get. Like, what do you need to succeed in this industry? And the problem is that everybody wants an, an Everybody wants a very clean, simplistic answer. You know, like just work on your art. You know, don't care about the, you know, all of these cliches, don't care about the money. Um, you know, work on uh, networking, have good contacts. And you know what? It's all meaningless. It's absolutely meaningless. Like that's the, those are the most common questions I get when I, when I do these things is, you know, how did you get to where you are? Because the truth is, it's of no benefit to you. You know, my journey started at a time which, you know, a lot of the time these people weren't even born. Um, you know, so the time was different. You know, the world was different. And the time is different now and the world is different now. And even if it wasn't, the yeah the world isn't it doesn't move in that way you know it's not, it's never um a simple thing that if you do this if you do a b c then, then that's the path Every, everybody does you know everybody's path is so individual and who they are where they are where the world is at it's this yeah it's like there's a there's almost a total randomness to it um that's what i feel is there's a ra yeah and even my journey i feel like you know, we all we all narratize. I say, okay, I I moved to London. You know, this uh, the story I just told you. Yeah, the story I just told you. I got rejected from universities. I moved to London. I sent out record. Yeah, you know, my my I sent out demo tapes and got a record deal within a year. And the extension to that is that record deal gave me enough confidence, and I kept doing it. I got you know into like theater, film, dance, um, all these other things. But the truth is, if I'm really honest with myself, it's just a bunch of random stuff that happened. You know, I'm just I'm just joining dots, kind of. Um, I'm post-rationalizing things. I'm kind of, 
narratizing. I'm joining these dots, but really they're just a bunch of random things that happened. I had no control over most of the time. Um, so what what can I teach people? I got nothing to I got nothing to teach. You know, I don't mm. I don't really I don't think I know anything. <laughs> It'd be a bit of a stretch to say you can't teach them anything or you don't know anything. But I get what you're saying. You can't teach them what their life would look like specifically. I mean, I I basically when I'm working with people, I try to. It's the same as working when I'm working with young people. It's the same as when I'm working with a director or a choreographer. What is it you want to achieve? You know, what is it? And it's it's about just understanding that, just understanding what that person wants to achieve. Um, and what you know, the, with young people, sometimes you have to say, "Why do you want to achieve that?" Because they they're too young to know what you know why they even want to achieve it and what the what the reasoning behind it is. Um, so I mean, that's kind of you know my my journey is that is kind of you know finding my own artistic path and realizing it and helping other people do the same. Understood. Um, that's that's kind of you know yeah, what I do. I guess. Understood. Yeah, I I think uh, the technical parts of it aside, there's certain qualities that uh, in you that would make you a great teacher. Part of it is you you are really good at listening. You ask questions. You're introspective. So and then you may and it, you talked about that in your collaborative effort as well. You're trying to rationalize things. You're trying to get to the kernel of the person. I think your the those those tendencies that you have kind of drive you would drive you to be a really good teacher. And uh, my last question for you, Neeraj. it might be a bit open ended but feel free to attack it however you want so for composers like what i wanted to understand is now in retrospect of course how much like if for co- composing kathak music so coming back to kathak how much kathak do you think a composer needs to know before they can start composing music if that's even a question like how much i guess yes because i i assume you can't never see a performance and start composing maybe you could or it would be good to see a couple of them but yes how much before you even start because you don't want to get analysis paralysis and watch a hundred shows before you think you even suited to but wanted to get your thoughts on that how much kathak do you need to understand before composing do you mean before you start this journey of composing of yeah before you start composing yeah i think it depends what the what you're trying if 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 it's a case of creating a, a pure classical gothic piece um i would probably struggle to do that because i don't know the you know i don't know that level of technicality with the form um but what i what i you know i come back to the to the emotion and the narrative and the movement i always come back to that because it's like that's usually in in most instances those things are more important than the in this day and age are more important than the purity the classical the classicalism um if that's a word classicalism i might just made that up but uh do you know what i mean it's like um um what what the what the dance and the movement makes you feel the story it tells and the way you convey that story with with the you know creativity in in the movement is far more important than how strictly pure you are to the to the deep origins of the art form because the art forms evolving you know it's if 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 gothic stayed and ossified you know where it was you know hundreds of years ago then it would just not you know it, it would not evolve so the evolution i think is is a really important part of it and and i think even the original you know originally that's where it comes from it's about emotion it's about narrative it's about you know how that's expressed i mean that is what what you know dance is in one sense isn't it um those are those are the 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 core parts of it um so 
you know, I think um, I don't think that you need to know anything really, unless you're unless you're so dead set on understanding the the you know classical elements of it. Um, and for me, those are probably less interesting than the future of Gothic. Where it's been is less interesting than where it's going. Okay, understood. Understood. That makes okay. sense. No, I, uh, I don't know if that's sac- sacrilegious to say, but I, I, that's what I feel. I sure that's sacrilegious to some, but that's the the point is like, you know, you're here in the field, you're making musicians that Kathak artists appreciate and and work with on, on the daily now. So that is. That is a valid opinion in that sense, right, Neeraj? So, but yeah, on that note, Neeraj, thanks a lot for coming on, I think. And and appreciate you letting me pick your brain and kind of simplifying some of the concepts to, in a way I, you know, I can understand and it makes, makes sense how you work, how you work, collaborate with artists and just create the music that you do. I appreciate that. No, it's been fine. I've enjoyed, I've enjoyed our conversation. It's always, you know, it's always good to good good when somebody makes you think about these things so sometimes yeah you you, you do these processes and you, it's like you don't ever really articulate them True. You, know, you just do them you kind of you know that's how you work that's how you operate so to be able to kind of articulate them it, it, you know makes me understand my process a little bit better maybe mm-hmm.